entire message dealing with freedom from unbelief and doubt and fear. And we have to understand every time there is unbelief, the end result is fear. Every time there is fear, that's because there has been unbelief or doubt. And that's why you see Jesus many times before he heals, he says, don't be afraid, only believe. Because you can't have fear and faith, you can't have fear and believing in the same container. It doesn't work that way. So we must learn how, even though we are believers, to get rid of unbelief in our lives. Because that's the only thing that is stopping you. That's the only thing that is standing in the way of your destiny. There are no mountains ever, anywhere. The only mountain in your life is your unbelief. And if you can speak to that mountain, all things are possible to him who believes. So there are no mountains anywhere. If there's something that's holding you back as a Christian, you can't get along. God's not working. You've got all these doubts and fear in your life. The reason for that is unbelief. No other thing. And you can get rid of that. Unbelief is the greatest sin. <laughs> the greatest sin. Because you can be free from anything. You can receive any miracle from God if you can get rid of unbelief. That's the only thing standing in your way. Standing in the way of your miracle. You cannot believe it. Because Jesus has already made it clear. If you can believe... All things, can I hear the word all things? All things are possible to God. Is that what it says? No. All things are possible to him or her who believes. All things. And Elizabeth said to Mary, Blessed is she who believes. Because there will be a fulfillment of those things that were spoken to you. When you hear the word of God and you believe it, there will be a fulfillment. But there are things that will stop you on your way of believing. And we want to talk about those things so we know how to get rid of them. We're talking about them. Believing the wrong thing, we said, can be a real problem. Standing in your way. And I can't, I can't emphasize more how tough this is. And how to free yourself from something that you've heard in the past that was inaccurate, doesn't line up with scripture. But you've accepted it as God's word. is so hard to get rid of. I've been there and I can tell you. It took me probably three years struggling with some of the things that I was taught even though I knew in my mind that they were wrong, I still was struggling. How do you explain that? Because faith is a spirit, and fear also is a spirit. It's called the spirit of faith. And when you've received the wrong type of spirit through what you've heard, then it's really hard. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a head thing. So God has to help you to get rid of it. And you have to be willing 
So, unbelief stems out of a decision. You can decide, I'm not believing that anymore. I'm going to believe this. But that doesn't mean you will be in your promised land the, time, the day you make your decision. It's going to be a process. The same process it took to believe in all this crazy stuff, that's the same process. You have to line upon line, that same area, line upon line, precept upon precept, until finally you know you believe. You know you believe. It's already there in your heart. So believing the wrong thing can really hurt you. And I said, stop this way, uh, last week, when Jesus spoke to Peter, he says, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked for you to sift you as wheat. Sift needs to prove you, to check whether you truly believe what you believe. And Jesus told the rest of the disciples in Matthew chapter 26, he said to them, you will all be offended and stumble and fall away because of me this night. Because they believed wrongly. They didn't expect him to go to the cross. He had told them several times. He didn't sink in. Why? Because they believe Messiah can never die. Even though Daniel said Messiah will be cut off. They didn't believe that. And every time Jesus talked about it, they said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? The Christ supposed to live forever. Yes. But he was supposed to pay the price for our sin. And because they had a different mindset, even after he rose from the dead, they were still asking him, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You can see their beliefs. And everything contradicted the reason why they were following him. They were already talking about who is going to sit on your right and who is going to sit on your left, who is going to be the greatest among us. They were already seeing the kingdom as they saw the miracles. They believed wrongly and when they saw him arrested, beaten, dying on the cross, they were offended. Can you believe that? They were offended at him. And they stumbled and turned away from him. Happened to them, can happen to us. When you focus on the wrong thing and you believe the wrong thing, your actions will line up with it. That's why in those days, after I realized how much I have been deceived, I, if you don't show me from Scripture, I won't accept it. You can be my hero, T.L. Osborne. Show me the Scripture. In fact, that's what I told my first pastor. He said, you've been preaching all this stuff, but you've never used any Scripture or verse, Pastor. You got to show me a verse today. He said, you want me to show you a verse? I said, yes. He said, I'm not going to show you. You just need to believe. I said, Pastor, that's impossible from now on. He said, you have to leave my church then. I said, thanks, sir. <laughs> that's easy. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. If I had stayed there with that man, I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't be standing here today. People lost their lives staying with him. That's the truth. I know of a woman that lost her life. People lost their marriages because of the crazy stuff he was preaching. But I had my mind made up, I'm not going that way. And even though I knew I left, it took me years to get away from it. it took me years. That's why when people believe wrongly, especially when it comes to area of healing, 
and baptism in the Holy Spirit. They've been taught all their lives and that's what they've accepted. They want to believe, but they can't. They've made a decision, but if their heart is right, God will begin to move them because they had a good heart. It wasn't their fault. In His mercy, He took me through my situations with unbelief and got me to a place where He could minister to me. They were offended because of that. Because the shepherd was struck and the sheep scattered. But thank God he rose again. And Peter came back. And the others came back. And then they got... All of a sudden, everything made sense. He didn't have to teach them anymore. They got, oh, it makes sense now. And they went with the truth. Amen? So it's so important. Secondly, focusing on the wrong thing. Focusing on the wrong thing outside the word of God can cause you serious unbelief. In other words, you can see the miracles in this, with your own eyes and still can't believe it. See, you have a lot of doubts up in your heart and unbelief. Questioning. Sometimes Christians say, are you sure this person was really sick? <laughs> you see that? They see it with their own eyes, but they can't believe. Because of things that have been in the past. And to me, it doesn't offend me because I know where they're coming from. It doesn't offend me. I can accept them. And if I can, let me put some words here and, and, and help them so that they get to the place where they can believe. Because I've been there before. I've been there. So there is no offense. Even if they get very angry and they leave, no angel and I, we don't get offended. <laughs> we let them go. Maybe in the future, as they learn, they'll come back and say, you, you taught us right. That's the way I look at it. No offense. There's no reason for that. We're in the same team. Amen? We're in the same team. I don't have to be offended. But focusing on the wrong thing can cause you a lot of trouble. And that's what happened in Mark chapter 6. When Jesus went into Nazareth, they saw him as the carpenter. And for them, Many of us don't we, don't, we don't realize or we don't think through this. But for them, for the most part, all their lives, since Jesus was a boy, he was carpenter's son and took over carpenter's work. And he was a carpenter. They knew him in town. And I'm sure he was a good carpenter. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Everybody knew about this carpenter. Now he's a preacher doing miracles. What? That's the problem they had. Mate. He fixed my chair the last week. Now he's doing miracles. They said, where did this man get this stuff from? They focused on the wrong thing. They were not focusing on the miracles. They were focusing on his person. Where he came from. Who they knew him to be. They said, where did this man get these things? And they were offended. Once there is unbelief, preformed notions, you get offended. You can imagine they admitted he had done mighty works. What wisdom is this that is given to him? Who gave it to him has got to be from God. Why don't you focus on the wisdom? What wisdom is this that is given to him that through his hands, signs and wonders, mighty works have been done? And they were offended at him. You think they would believe? No, they got mad. <laughs> they got mad at him. Why? Because they saw him as a carpenter. You know how that works in? We walk into a church and the pastor doesn't look like he's really educated. 
<laughs> he has an accent. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can hear what he said. Did you even try to hear anything? And I don't hear it. You just got your Bible and you walk out. You're focusing on the wrong thing. That's where the problem is. Well, he's not dressed like a preacher. How is a preacher supposed to dress? He, don't, he doesn't look like he's educated. And some will even go more spiritual. He doesn't look like he's anointed. How do you know that? Do you touch the anointing? How do you know? That? These are some of the crazy stuff that's happening to Christians. And they are being robbed. They run away from those that will truly help them by Satan's design because they are not open. What has the way he's dressed got to do with the message? If it shakes a lot, then he's really anointed. But he's saying nothing. I like him, but because, ah, he's moving. They like that. He's really anointed. What did he say? I, I don't remember. That's the craziness. You see, that's how Satan is robbing us. They are focusing on the wrong thing. Focus on the word of God and the word of God alone. Whether there is emotions attached to it or not doesn't matter. Many of the great ones, I had one of the greatest ministers in Nigeria. He said, I used to jump all over the stage, running and screaming. He said, but when God gave me the anointing that's now changed his ministry, he walks and he just talks. And great things are happening. People focus on the wrong thing. They want to be emotional. Ooh, I feel it. And then tomorrow they don't feel anything. God is about to abandon them. Whereas the scripture says he will never leave you nor forsake you. But when you live by your emotions, you focus on the long, wrong thing and your faith is not there. What you have then is unbelief. You focus on the wrong thing. That's what's wrong with the church. I don't care whether he's a young boy or he's old. If he's speaking the word of God, I want to hear what he's got to say. But as a young boy, what does he know? That's what happened to the people in Nazareth. He doesn't look like the uh, Pharisees and the rulers of the land. He's from Nazareth. Have you heard that word, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's the, that's the problem. You're focusing on the wrong thing. And a classic example was that, and Jesus made it so clear. You remember after in, in John chapter 6, after he had multiplied bread, and the people came looking for him? Jesus immediately picked out what was the problem. Do you notice? And, and, and when you go at the, through the story, you'll see why they abandoned him. They saw a great miracle. So just seeing a miracle some, for some people, if you are focusing on the wrong thing, just because you have seen a miracle won't produce faith in you. Because you have, your focus is wrong. They came to Jesus. I mean, they were looking for him. They wanted to be with him. And in, in, in John 
chapter 6, beginning from verse 26, it says, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs. The miracle is not what's your prop business. You are not connecting the signs to God. Not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You are looking for bread. That's the wrong focus. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father had set his seal on him. So what's God, what Jesus is going to give you? His word, right? That's the bread from heaven. The word of God. But they were focusing on bread to fill their tummies. And because they had the wrong focus, they told Jesus, Jesus said, I am the bread. They said, evermore give us this bread. We want to eat, give us bread. And then Jesus said, I am the bread. They got mad. He's from Nazareth. Is this not Joseph? They said, is this not Jesus, son of Joseph, and his brothers and his sisters are here. And now he's telling us is the bread come from heaven. The wrong focus. They couldn't understand his speech. They never had faith. And when it was over, they left him alone. They walked away. They rebelled. They got mad. They walked away from him. And then Jesus had to turn to his disciples. Would you also go back? They didn't understand everything he was saying. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. But they had their focus right. That's the Messiah. We don't understand what you're saying. Their heart saying. But to whom shall we go? You have the word of life. We don't have anywhere to go. So they stayed with him. But when your focus is wrong, you go away from him. That's why I say that prayer, he opened my ear. And I was not repellent. Until he opened, and Jesus was clear to them, if you are of God, you hear my words. The reason you don't hear what I'm saying is because you don't belong to him. That's the issue here. So you got to get your focus right. Make sure your focus is right. And Christians can develop that unbelief. When, you're, when you have unbelief, that means you have chosen. It's a choice thing. They chose, uh, you're, you're Jesus. You didn't come from up there. What are you talking about? But they seen, how can a man who is just a natural man multiply bread to feed 5,000 men? 5,000 men? Not counting the women, in most cases, you have more women and children than men. So you we're talking at possibly 15,000. You got to be, what man is able to do that? If you put two and two together, it's got to be God. I mean, there's no way out to explain this. But when you're focusing on the food, you're not thinking. You're not thinking. And so faith is not produced in your heart. And then you're so easily offended. And when you stay that way, your heart gets hardened. Many times I've talked to people who have chosen not to pay their tithe. You can't convince them. You're wasting your time. It doesn't bother me. That's your problem. I'll show you the truth. I don't care, but that's what you want to do. But they, 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 once you start talking about it, guess what? They get angry immediately. That's what it is. 
you get offended by the truth. That's what's going on. Because you've made a decision, even though you see it in the world, I'm not going to do that, I'm not believing that. So every time you're told, you get mad. And he notices, up in heaven, you have unbelief. God help you. Because everybody has a day of trouble. There's always a day of trouble. The Bible, everyone is going to experience the day of trouble. The Bible tells us that. It said, if you fail in your day of trouble, your strength is small. So everybody is going to have a day of trouble. When you have that kind of attitude, God will protect you, but a day of trouble is coming. And if you haven't been strengthening yourself in that area, Satan knows he's been watching just like God has been watching. And he knows there is a weakness in your life. He's going to, when that day comes, no matter how high you've been, you're coming down. Think about what he did to Job in a few days. Maybe one day. Brought him down totally. We have to be very careful. But every time I talk to, we talk to people, I've had them argue with me. I just basically says, we don't need your tithes for the Ark Fellowship to keep going. Keep it. That's your business. God's going to take care of the Ark Fellowship. I'm just trying to help you. Really. And you see this thing rising up in them. They get angry. Every time you hear the word of God and you see something rising up against you in anger, guess what's there? The enemy's got you. And if you let that thing stay there, you don't get rid of it, it's going to destroy you eventually. May God, you better have somebody praying for you just like Jesus was praying for Peter. Otherwise, he's going to take you down. He wants that faith in your heart. But God loves quick obedience because your faith goes up. When, once he speaks to you and you act on it, he likes that. I've learned my lesson. I tell with my wife, Angela, and, and we're both practicing this now with the television thing. There'll be ups and downs, but I know it's of God. I don't have to make it work. He put it out. But I thank God, as soon as I heard that in my mind, I picked up the phone right there and I made the call. That's the way to go. But once you say, no, God, that your heart gets a little hardened. And God cannot deal with you. And every time you hear it, you get angry. That's what happened to the children of Israel. They hardened their hearts. Their hearts. They saw the miracles. But they still, they still two of them, uh, it was just uh, Caleb and Joshua that believed the giants were bred for them. The rest of them said, there are giants in the land. We can't take them. I mean, think about it. They saw the Red Sea. Right? Who was the greatest king in their day? Pharaoh. Right? And God destroyed Pharaoh before their eyes. They saw all of these miracles, but because their heart, they refused to believe, and they want to come under leadership, their hearts were hardened, and they suffered with unbelief, and didn't get in the promised land. So the Bible tells us today in Hebrews, and I'd like you to check Hebrews chapter 3. Because I believe Hebrews chapter 3, chapter 4, you read verse 7, and then read verse 4, 15. Go back to chapter 4, read verse 4, uh, 7, three different times. And you need to understand this. When God repeats himself, it's very serious. 
very serious. It's very serious. It says in the scripture, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart, as in the days of provocation in the wilderness. They provoked him with their unbelief. They decided we're not going to do it. They saw the signs, but they, they still wouldn't believe. I mean, think about it. You got a rock that's following you, and water gushing out of the rock constantly. Think about it. You got this cloud, pillar of cloud that's shielding you and walking with you, the rock going along with you, and you can see this thing. At night, the pillar turns into a pillar of fire, and you can see, and you are afraid of some giant. That's serious unbelief. But he said, well, that would never happen to me. If I see a cloud, oh, you're lying. <laughs> Sorry. But that's how it happens to us, to you and to me as well. We have to guard against it. Amen? We have to fill our heart with the word of God. Unbelief can come to anyone. Unbelief can come to anyone. Jesus was talking about the bread to his disciples when they went into the boat. And they were, he had told them, let's cross to the other side. This is the same voice that spoke the stars into him, right? The same person. When he tells you we are going to the other side, I don't care what comes in between. We are going to the other side. But on the way, he started talking to them about bread. The, the, the uh, living of the Pharisees, the yeast of the Pharisees. And they were saying... He's talking because we had no bread. He just got through multiplying bread, right? And he says, what's the matter with you guys? Your heart's still hardened. Don't you remember the miracle? Your heart's still hard. When your heart is hard, you don't think. You don't connect the miracles. You don't. Because of hardness of her heart. I need to move on. Let's go and talk about unbelief. Unbelief feeds off of incomplete knowledge or a lack of knowledge. I mean, doubt. Incomplete knowledge or lack of it. Faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you have incomplete knowledge of a thing, you have doubt. If I tell you to walk into a dark room that everything is great and you look, you, you, you want to go in and say there's gold in there, but it's very dark in there. You turn around and say, sure, are you sure? Uh, how many people have been in there to get gold, right? You want to know, right? You have doubt, and there's nothing wrong with it. You're just looking for more information. How do I walk to get to the gold, right? Where is the gold in the room? Is it in the middle or hidden somewhere? You have doubts about it. Because you don't have complete knowledge. But if somebody that's been in there tells you, ah, all you need to do is walk straight, 
then you begin to believe, right? So, doubt is, is a little different. That's because you don't have complete knowledge. And so, once you get, once you have complete knowledge, you will believe. So, that's the issue with doubt. Many of us have heard about doubting Thomas. Please, that guy was a great apostle. Gave his life. He doubted. But it was a good thing that he doubted. Because now we got the work that he's done. Let me give you this. For example, when Jesus said, we know the way. Jesus says, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. From his doubt, we got these statements coming from Jesus. But all that Thomas wanted to do, if we call him doubting Thomas, look at what happened. He saw Jesus die on the cross. He saw him beaten. And Jesus didn't fight back. He saw where they buried him. And more so, he wasn't there when Jesus showed up. I wonder what the others would have done if Jesus showed up and they were not there. Whether they wouldn't act the same way that Thomas was acting. And Thomas was saying, you are telling me you saw him? I saw him dead on the cross. And you're telling me you saw him and I'm not there? Why would he appear to you while I'm not there? That's not the way he does his stuff. He would have waited for all of us to be there. Can you see the argument? How come you're telling me this? I saw him dead. I'll believe you when I see him just like you've seen him. All he wanted was verification. I need to verify this. That's all he wanted. That was doubt. But he wanted to be sure that nobody's lying to him. But think about it. I know it's easy for us to believe. But if you really know a friend that got killed that way, and then a few days later, the guy says, we were eating with him yesterday. <laughs> I said, you eating with who yesterday? Are you kidding? Think about it. I know we, we get after him. But that's we feel exactly. The, how many of you will feel the way he felt? Please don't use the word that in Thomas because I would do exactly the same. Why, why is it that he showed up while I was in there? When is it, did he tell you when he's coming back? So I can see him myself? And no, but after he saw Jesus, no doubt anymore. Because there's no reason to doubt. He had the evidence right in front of him. And he said, my Lord and my God. And he gave his life for the gospel in India. He had the truth. Never look back. So doubt is a different thing, but it will still affect you. It may hinder you somewhat. Let me show you some scripture here. This is so important here. Um, you can have doubt and faith living in the same person. Okay? You can actually have faith in your heart and doubt in your head and God will still perform the miracle. <laughs> Amen? Because that's the way it works. In Mark chapter 11... Verse 22 through 24, he says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. 
In other words, have the faith of God. For assuredly, I'm telling you this, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Notice he says, you say and not doubt in your heart, not your head. <coughs> Amen? There's a big difference. When you have good information and you have the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says the word of faith which we preach is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. So once it's gotten gotten to your heart, he stays there. And I've done things in my mind. I'm thinking, oh my God, what is this? How am I going to do this? Now that's my head thinking. But my heart is saying, but Jesus has already said, lay hands on the sick. Amen. I think I remember Paul Youngie Cho, he was preaching and he said there was a woman that was so twisted. I mean, it was so bad. They brought her to sit right in front of him in a miracle service. And he kept complaining to God, why did you bring this woman to sit right in front of me to destroy my faith? <laughs> he said, I, I will look past him constantly, look past her constantly. Because every time I see her, my mind says, there's no way. This is too bad. And he kept saying, Lord God, why did you do this to me? You brought this woman to sit right in front of me. So everybody can see. But then God was saying, all you need to do is lay your hands on her. And when everybody was clapping for a miracle somewhere that has taken place, he quietly ran down while they were distracted and said, woman, you can stand up if you, if you want. And ran back. And while he was running back because he didn't want, the woman stood up and everybody was shouting and he was looking around like, what happened? Oh, wow. Then he acted like he really knew what he was doing. <laughs> But the thing is, he said, well, he was doubting. How come God did the miracle? No. Faith was already there in his heart. Amen? He's put the word in there. His mind was playing games with him. You don't have to believe what your mind tells you. That's why you shouldn't go by your feelings. But go by the word of God. You can have faith in your heart and doubt in your mind. But notice, he said, if you will say to this mountain, and no doubt in your heart, that's saying you can say to the mountain because you got faith, right? But you can doubt in your heart, and nothing will be done, even though you seem to be attempting faith. So many times when we say, well, God's not working, maybe they are, they are saying with their mouth and acting, but their heart is not there. You know why? Because they don't have the word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you don't have enough information, you may believe, have faith, but you're still doubting in your heart. Because that's the only way you can have faith. That's the cure for doubt. Information. Once you have the information, you can believe in your heart, even though your mind may be playing games with you. You know what God has said. 
And sometimes God gives us the gift of faith. Because you already have it in your heart, the gift of faith will come arise and you got no fear. But aside that, you can still be afraid. I think uh, Joyce Meyer said, do it afraid. Because your mind is playing games with you, but you don't have the, you have the faith in your heart. And then you act and God does the miracle. But it has to be because you already know the word. Let me show you something. The leper that came to Jesus. Let's read this scripture and I'll probably close because of time here. The leper that came to Jesus. Sometimes we read scripture and we don't really follow through what's going on here. Notice what he said to Jesus. It says in Mark chapter 1 verse 40. It says, now a leper came to him imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He had faith and doubt at the same time. He believed Jesus could, no doubt. His doubt was, I'm not sure if you are willing to do this for me. You see how both can be in the same place? All he needed was Jesus to assure him, the word of God to assure him that God is willing. He wasn't sure of that. But he was sure that God can do it. And most of us are in that place. We know God can do it. Right? But we don't know if God's willing to do it for, for me. You see what I'm talking about? And the only way to destroy that is to destroy it from the word of God. When you have, where you have no doubt, I know he's willing to do this for me. And then your faith is perfected. And then the miracle takes place. Look at what he says here. Now, a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, you can see the reverence, right? He really believed you can do this. He just wasn't sure Jesus was going to do this for him. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. So that corrects it, right? He corrects his unbelief or, I mean, his doubt. Don't have to worry about that part. I am willing. But notice he touched him. I'm coming to that next scripture, if you will permit me. He touched him. And I'll tell you why that's important. Because in his day, in the time of Jesus, they believed in touch. He's taught in their synagogues everywhere. Jesus has to touch. You have to touch for healing. So Jesus touched him. But even the touch doesn't mean Jesus will heal him. He's not sure if he's willing. Okay? So Jesus said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Look at verse 42. And as soon as he had spoken... Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. When was he cleansed? When he touched him? No. When he spoke, I am willing. Not the touch. When he said, he said, as soon as he had spoken, that's when the miracle took place. Amen? Because he corrected his doubt. I am willing. I can do it. Not only that I can do it, but I'm also willing. And this is the way you all receive your miracles. He touched him. 
Amen? He touched him and then spoke. But he didn't talk, say anything about the touch because that wasn't the problem. The real problem is if he's willing. So he, the word of God from Jesus clarified it and removed his doubt. And he received his miracle. So that's what takes it up. Can I go a little better? A little bit? You know our preacher says, finally, and then another finally. <laughs> I feel ashamed of this, but I need to do this because I don't want to come back to this message. But this, this you need to see this, is so important. In the time of Jesus, they all knew. They called, you remember the guy that went to Jesus? What's his name? Um, the rich man? Darius. He said, my daughter is at home. That Come and lay your hands upon her and she shall live. They knew. If his Messiah, he lays his hands, they were taught. He lays his hands on her, she'll be healed. So that's how Jesus healed them. But the Gentile has not been taught that. <laughs> he said, speak the word. Amen? Speak the word. He had no doubt about touching it. You know, I can't have you come into my house. Just say the word. And Jesus said, this is even better. Amen. This is even better. But the doubt has to be taken care of. Now, let me read this for you before we, as we close. The woman that was doubled over. And you see the reverse in this case. Okay. It says, now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity eight years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. He spoke, right? Was the woman healed at that point? No. It says, and when he laid his hands on her, it says, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Notice, she was in the synagogue. They believe you got to lay your hands on, right? So even though Jesus said, woman, you are loose from your infirmity, she was still over. Is that all you're going to do? And then Jesus laid his hands on her, and she was ready. No, no doubt anymore. This is good. Don't just speak. You can lay your hands on me. So it depends on what you know. Amen? You can clarify your doubt. And once you have the knowledge, you're free. God will do your miracle for you. So the thing is to believe the word of God. And if you're struggling with doubt, you know you believe. Our church believes this. Why am I struggling? All you need to do is get lots of scripture in that area and begin. It will seem as if you are not accomplishing anything. Believe me, you are accomplishing a lot. Because one day the Holy Spirit will take those scriptures and say, this is it. And you stand up with a lot of faith. And you're free. Amen? Stand up with me tonight. All things are possible to him who believes. And tonight, we believe. We are believers. Amen? And God wants to do give us our miracles. We are seated with him in heavenly places. On Sunday, I'm going to go back to the words that we speak. And I'm going to share with you also 
from the words of Jesus. That we need to learn to speak after we get saved. I saw Jesus saying, you know, no man has ascended into heaven. You can check that from John chapter 3 verse 13. No man has ascended into heaven, but he who came down from heaven. Even the Son of Man who is in heaven. And he was standing right here on earth. And the word of God said we are seated with him. Where? In heavenly. God has made us to sit together with him in heavenly places. So he who is from above is above all. And that's our homeland. We came from that place. Amen. And because we came from that place and we are still there, just like Jesus was on the earth, we are above whatever Satan can do to us. Amen. So you got everything. Why don't you raise your hands up to the Lord tonight and declare to him, all things are mine. All things are mine. I've got all things. Jesus came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. All things are mine. I stand with the scriptures. Don't matter what anyone says, I'm standing with the word of God and the word of God is able to take me to my promised land. God is with me and if God be for us, who can be against us? No one can be against us. No matter what the situation is, there is nothing too hard for the Lord our God. There is nothing too hard for the one who believes in the Lord Jesus. And God's on your side. God will never be against you because Jesus is on our side. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God's with us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? There's no time, no time for you to, to start hanging your head down. Lift up your head. Arise and shine. For your light has come. The light of God is rising up upon your life. And you are the light of the world. And you are the salt of the earth. You may not feel that way, but act it. Amen? Because that's the truth. God bless you. We dismiss. Amen.